Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 394 of the podcast with my marvelous guest, Becca Scott. Uh, Becca and I met doing a very fun online RPG, and I have been chasing her down ever since to do the podcast. I know you will fall in love with her, as I did when first we met. Um, and she's got a lot of really cool stuff going on. Uh, we talk about it more in the podcast episode, of course, uh, along with some resources on where to find her and get more 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 um, but uh, I can tell you that she streams gaming and reviews and hosts and acts and is just a marvelous human being so please enjoy this episode I hope everyone is doing well staying safe um, might I add I feel certain everyone who listens to this podcast is voting um, I tweeted about it the other day but you know even with a sort of wall of pessimism and fear that uh, I think has pervaded, um, is that a word? It's certainly pervasive is a word. I'm certainly not editing this out of the podcast intro. Uh, the, the, the United States right now, um, it, it just feels so important to, you know, my gosh, just do whatever we can to um, hold on to the semblance of democracy and just plow forward, plod forward, race forward, tromp forward, drag forward, whatever it is that we're doing, we're doing it together. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense that got our country into so much trouble this year. Just little, just the little things. Okay. Well, is that just what this, little... what, we can get into that. <laughs> I got thoughts. Oh, wow. Happy October to thee. <laughs> wait, wait, it's, there's an October this year? Oh, wow. I didn't even get that memo. Yeah. Oh my lord. How have you been? How are you how are you handling this latest uh amusement park freak show ride? Oh gosh. By reading hopeful books that remind me that reading the news is bad for me and I should do it less. Yeah. Yeah. Um what's give me a good example of a hopeful book. Okay, so I haven't finished it, but he's already my favorite author from his previous book. This book is called Humankind, A Hopeful History by Rucker Bregman. And uh, yeah, he wrote this book called Utopia for Realists that was my first introduction into diving deep into universal basic income or a universal dividend. And it is my obsession. Um, And this book is about how... Homo sapiens evolved because of their friendliness, not their smarts. And that something that Malcolm Gladwell has also been writing about recently, that our default is to be trusting and to focus on community and that us assuming that the other is bad or assuming humanity is bad and evil is the wrong assumption and creates this sort of nocebo effect instead of a placebo effect that Mm. we create worse behavior when we expect and plan for the bad behavior. Oh, sure. That makes perfect sense. I think I've heard of, yeah, I want to say I've heard of this, the second book. I mean, I don't know if I've heard about, of Utopia for Realists, but first of all, what a great title. Right. Um, 
because that's definitely something I feel like that comes up on the podcast so often is this idea of so many of of my friends and and acquaintances and just I don't know if it's I mean it, it, I I don't think that it's limited to creative folks at all but I do feel like there's been kind of a through line pattern just coincidentally in my life where um the most and then I include myself myself in this category but like the most hopeful and yet most cynical living in the same body type people are like <laughs> in my life you know and that's Probably how I feel like how can I be this you know it is it's like so you know so hopeful I'm sorry go go say what you were gonna say oh no I just that us creative types have so much time to sit around and think <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. How gross. It's so arist- <laughs> it's so ar- aristocratic and bougie. Um <laughs> No, I mean yeah, I think I think maybe if your feelings are close to the surface, um maybe that's part of it is just that, you know, kind of Anne of Green Gables syndrome of like soaring on the on the highs and and really, you know, cowering down deep into the lows, but um to feel so to feel like yeah, to feel so hopeful and to want so much and to feel like so much optimism but also kind of try to protect yourself the whole time with this sort of deep underlying cynicism is exhausting (laughs) totally boy do I relate and maybe it's something to do with I'm also an actor even though that's not uh I'm not an actor like Janet Varney is an actor um but there is this thing about being in touch with your emotions and having that all just below the surface and being really ready to access that that allows us to get hit so hard with news stories and and to reach so far for something that can inspire yeah absolutely no that's a really good point um I will I will share my the manifestation of my experience of the last like four days um in this quick tale and maybe you can tell me if you, if you have something similar you probably have them peppered throughout your quarantine as do I but um I for some reason I, I guess I got sucked oh because I had just finished watching this documentary um my octopus teacher that- no I haven't seen that yet <laughs> sorry I just thought it would be crazy because I can't stop thinking about it sorry for the interruption oh my god no <laughs> but I read about I read about it because somebody very cleverly did like a clickbait thing that was like is my octopus teacher really as sexy as it seems like it is or as people are saying it's and so there was sexy. this whole breakdown yeah there was a whole breakdown of the sort of like sexiness of this relationship that that this guy has I mean I I can't thank you for reminding me I completely forgot it existed because it was one of those things that came on was recommended to me and then just sort of disappeared algorithm algorithmically from from Netflix I guess is that what it's on yeah they why do they do that it like went away it was like there and I was like I'm coming back to that and then it's gone just like it's as you know you really have to search for something once Netflix decides that you don't care about it yeah did did you care about this oh uh, you didn't decide quick enough goodbye I know really I gotta write this down I'm so afraid I'm gonna forget again um it's important I was watching something called a wilderness of error which is this thing that um that I think his name is Jeremy Smurling, who produced like the Jinx and Catfish, um, did in in cooperation with Errol Morris, who's another uh, you know just a really great famous documentarian. <clears throat> he did this thing of revisiting this old case, but anyway, it was really well done. And then I remembered, like, oh yeah, he did produce Catfish. God, I haven't seen that movie since it came out, and that was you know it was like oh that was 
do I remember it very well? And so I, I started watching it again. And have you seen this? I mean, it's like a movie everyone saw, I guess, when it was happening. But yeah, no, it really ruined yeah. my catfishing career. And I really had to put a plug on that. Um, but <laughs> I did so not sorry. see the film. I thought it would be too dark and too close to home. It. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> my heart goes out to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just a, it's it, for, for, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and give a major spoiler for this 10 year old movie, um, which feels even older. But basically, the gist of it is, you know, of course, yes, this, this, this kind of cute, uh, slightly broish, but yet also very artistic guy um, in New York proves to be the quote unquote victim of this person who's, you know, sort of creating this, this uh, world that doesn't exist via Facebook. And the I remembered like it being uncomfortable because yes, it's uncomfortable to that sort of stuff definitely get makes me uncomfortable it just does like prank shows or anything where someone's like a has a gotcha moment where it's like i gotcha on camera doing a thing no one approves of like that's very uncomfortable for me um but in this case you know this the person who does it is just um there's something so heartbreaking about her and I went from feeling like rem- like remembering the discomfort as it was rolling on, as it was getting closer to the this moment where the you know they actually see this person in person, and I was like, I went from like, oh yeah, I remember feeling uncomfortable about this, to like getting really upset and really sad and like having to kind of skip scenes like, oh, let me just fast forward a little bit. (laughs) I think I remember what happens next. (laughs) And then I just had to turn it off and I just started sobbing because she felt like such a, just the realness of like people living in this country who I don't know. It's so hard to explain. Yeah. I just I suddenly had this feeling of like, oh, my God, I'm living the dream. And I I guess it's imposter syndrome or which is ironic considering <laughs> the movie. But it was just a feeling of like, I don't I mean, I have so much, you know, I mean, I have a lot of have had a lot of sadness in, in my life and a lot of struggle in my life. But on paper, just the idea that I'm sort of living the dream that someone else thinks of as this kind of fantasy life. Um, it, it felt so, so tragic on so many levels. Like, Ugh. oh, I, I'm, I'm living this imaginary life that in many ways is wonderful. But at the same time, like, it's so not any more special in the fundamental ways that make us human and that bring us true human joy. Like, it's not different. And I'm, and, and so it felt like it's such a double whammy. It was like, oh my yeah. God, I feel so guilty that I'm living the dream. But also like, fuck that, because the dream isn't real. Like, you know the what I mean? The dream isn't like, real. It was such a weird, ugh, it was just like a mess of emotions. And I was like, I think I can probably turn all of this back to um, what's going on in politics. <laughs> like, ultimately, I can bring it all back. I think that a major concept behind creating a film about catfishing is the idea of humiliation. And mm. exploiting that humiliation of others and that being a form of entertainment and content is dark. All prank shows are dark unless they're a pay it forward happy prank show, of which I've seen maybe one. And Right. Which by the way, catfish is not a prank like the the it's it's not that 
because prank shows you couldn't have said it more more aptly i mean that's a gorgeous gorgeous definition of a prank show this is like one of those where like he's the one who's been victimized but then them outing the person who technically is the catfish and is like not a you know quote-unquote good person that person feels like the victim of life in some kind of profound way Mm -hmm. um for for being so kind of lost that she lives in her dreams and she kind of takes that out in the in the way of world building on on facebook so it's this weird switch where you think it's going to be like i don't know the way in which you feel uncomfortable isn't necessarily the way you expect to feel uncomfortable but please continue i apologize no you're good you're good you're feeling all the feelings i think that this (laughs) i haven't seen the film and i don't know the specific you know victim and then another victim of circumstance uh but just sort of leaps of what you're talking about with feeling guilt about things going well for you in life. And I know I have that syndrome, that imposter syndrome or whatever it is, because I know that being a white person in the U.S., I am a product of privilege. And doors were open to me, whether or not I was aware of them because of that. And that is guilt-inducing. And that's why I care deeply about helping others, giving back monetarily, advocating for policies that I care about. And I think that, you know, um, another book I've been reading, I've been reading a lot of books lately, is... um, Love it. How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And I'm not through all of it, but he focuses a lot on definitions and how if a thing is not anti-racist, then it is racist. Um, And I don't Mm. know the ethnicity of the person in Catfish, um, but just like... Uh, oh, okay. Um, but a victim of circumstance and not having the same opportunities just uh, isn't interesting. It ties back into the idea of we need policies that create equity in this country, mm-hmm. and anything that is not doing that is doing the opposite. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, yeah. That's that's a and and by the way, like you know, that's where (laughs) you can really get into the weeds with like, it's not like one party is really doing that great of a job and the other isn't like, this is not, we're not living in a country where one, you know, of the sad two choices, like one ostensibly does better at that, but it's very arguable that we're in such a mess now that like, it's kind of dire. (laughs) Yeah, and it used you know to what be- I mean. It's not like there's a lot of big money tied into both parties. A lot oh, of corporations tied into both parties to the degree where you know it is. It's like mm, I think big banks are fine no matter who's president. So that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the way that corporations own our society is disproportionate. It's just it's just so out of whack with where our priorities should be and what got us as the human species to this point in evolution and with such a connected society it was based around humility and shame and humbleness and those were the things that were elevated and that should be celebrated and the lack of humility used to be a thing that was really really frowned upon and uh that to show your humanity you blush it's a very unique human characteristic uh, something Rutger Bregman talks about in the book I mentioned earlier is that blushing is a huge part of our evolution and is the whites around our pupils because we can make eye contact and see where people are looking. And that's so important for creating community. And hmm. when you lose humility, 
and don't care about what others think, then you lose the whole foundation of what makes humans human. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Are you feeling elevated levels of anxiety? Do you quake uncontrollably, even thinking about watching cable news? Do you have disturbing nightmares, only to realize it's two in the afternoon and you're up? If you've experienced one or more of these symptoms, you may have FNO, news overload. Fortunately, there's treatment. Hi, I'm Dave Holmes, host of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters helps fight FNO. That's because Troubled Waters stimulates your joy zone. On Troubled Waters, two comedians will battle one another for pop culture supremacy. So join me, Dave Holmes, for two, two, two doses of Troubled Waters a month. The cure for your news overload. Available on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Where did you grow up? Kansas City, Missouri. Uh huh. It was purple when I grew up, and now yeah, and now I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm from Arizona, so I can relate um, because I I live in a very I lived I came from a very blue city um, in in a in a sort of you know fairly red state, but there was there was a there was a a good tinge of purple for a certain amount of time, and now it's. Like I could listen, it could go purple again. I'm I could go blue. I don't know. It could. And that's the <clears> thing <throat> about cities. All cities tend toward progressivism because they see that's that's where the people are. And that's also where a lot of suffering happens. And uh when you want your vote to count more and <laughs> see the importance of everyone's yeah. vote counting. So it's it's so crazy to look at a map and see how blue city centers are and how red just land with few people in it is. And that yeah. disproportionate effect. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Were you were you raised um, like, did you have a, I guess. Super liberal, guess super a, atheist. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, okay. I, I went to okay. an all girls Catholic high school um, because I got kicked out of the secular high school. Uh, my mother <gasps> is did? a judge. How wonderful. Okay. Okay. And my father's a lawyer, and uh, and she's that? been wearing her her collar gifted to her by clerks in honor of RBG this week. So, <laughs> I guess oh, the man. past. What does weeks. she think of the whole Supreme Court situation right now? Oh, you know, uh, I mean, her view of judging in general is that. It, you shouldn't come into it with a bias. It is your job to uphold the law as it is written, and. She's not. She she's a very liberal justice, and I'm not going to say her name because um, she doesn't yeah. even have a Facebook. Uh, can't have any outward yeah. political yeah. preference, and right, right. thinks that that's what judging is. And yet, on the federal level, it's so disgustingly not. Yeah. Well, and it's that push pull feeling of like you know. I think that's that's another thing that a lot of people have been feeling. You know, on 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 both sides. Again, I the both sides thing is is. It's just it's just tough right now. Um, but uh, with with things that are getting that get politicized that you're like, wait, how did this end up, you know, on the political spectrum um, that there's a sense of like someone no matter where it like wherever it, it or from from wherever it originates, there's the other the other person in that relationship feeling like they have to react in kind 
So in other words, like, you know, if 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 this type of judge weren't already seated in the Supreme Court, then maybe it wouldn't be so important to get someone who's so dis, you know, that so vastly opposes the, you know, well, this person is then thought of of this type because we have to have balance. So now you just continue to stack it like with a sense of let's get the most, most, most conservative we can. Well, let's get the most, most, most liberal we can. Okay, well, let's get the most, 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 most conservative we can. All right. You know what I mean? Like there's a sense of like rather than rather than balancing towards the center, there's a sense of like, well, we're just gonna have to keep stacking the the very tips on either side to keep it balanced instead of like, well, what if it was more of a no? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm disheartened by the fact that Democrats are not putting forward the most progressive candidates, the most liberal justices. They're putting they're they're the centrist party, which as uh, an extreme progressive over here, I find extremely disheartening. You know, there's a lot of political ideas that are not even considered in the mainstream. And that's why I was so glad to see Andrew Yang up on the debate stage. Uh, which isn't necessarily the person that I voted for in the primary, but is someone I gave money to because I love just considering that society could be so different than what it mm. is. And we we are so entrenched in what the founding fathers laid out that we can't even consider these other ideas. You know, it, it breaks right. the brain. So there's this concept of the Overton window, which I'm sure people have heard of, which is kind of shifting the conversation. Um and as much as we can shift it, the better. Because, because yeah, I wish that there were really super liberal justices. I mean, Sonia Sotomayor is uh, definitely someone who, who I appreciate her opinions. But, like, Merrick Garland as a candidate who was the one that never even got to be voted to confirm, be confirmed because uh, Mitch McConnell decided that it was, it was fun to be obstructionist in every way possible to stop government from working. Uh, <laughs> he was mm. an extremely centrist judge uh, in his previous rulings. So it's wild that a compromise um, has become just the duty of one party. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's fair to say. And that's that's kind of why. But like that. But what you just said about the wanting to get those liberal judges put forth kind of is that's I guess that's what I'm saying would be like that would be the natural what you would imagine would be the natural course of events in terms of. Like, well, if this, then we have to protect this by via this. But doesn't that sort of do the thing that your that your mom is is kind of opposes is like this person who's super extreme in this direction and this person who's super extreme in the other direction? Right. I mean, as an end goal. Yeah, I think that what I've been thinking about a lot is what got us to this point of the other being so vilified. And I think that it is our sense of community and love for who we consider um, similar to us in what, whether that's politics or interests or region. Um, and then the other is vilified. And the way that we've started to do this in our own country is, is so sad. And, and it's something that I hope that humanity can rise above or else we're going to I think not continue as a species. I mean, I think we're at a real reckoning. You know, there's something found about oxytocin, which is the chemical in the brain that's like your happiness that's released when you hug someone. It's also the same right. chemical that makes you hate the other. I, I don't have the specific Oh, I didn't know that. I really decide. only thought of oxy. Yeah, I really only thought of oxytocin as like the wonderful chemical that's released like when you're close to someone or when you feel that it's it's that 
literal wash of chemical that you know I can't not on the outside but on the inside that 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 does give you that sense of well-being and I didn't know that that had a relationship to the opposite yeah um I'll I'll find something and send it to you it's also this is very new research that it's also the thing that sort of spurs this protective instinct Mm, I mean it makes sense from that perspective for sure yeah. The sense of I like this is this is the thing that gives me this feeling and I don't want anyone or anything to to threaten the thing that gives me that feeling. Exactly. That certainly wow. makes sense. Yeah. Yikes. Well, that's really interesting about your 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 mom and your dad. That's very cool. Um I yeah. I come from two public school teachers and so I I there's there's a there's a real sense of like the on the job experience that if you have a close relationship with your parents that you kind of get a sense of from a young age in a way that you might not otherwise do you feel like you kind of had that about the law um as a oh, kid oh yeah uh I, it was sort of something i balked at me and my sisters none of us went into law and there's a huge amount of lawyers in the family um but it is something that you just sort of osmote like i will write my own contracts and make sure anytime I sign a contract that I read through it and understand, parse out that jargon. But for you with two teachers, do you feel like it's spurred this thirst for knowledge in you? Uh, I think it's it's more a thirst for everyone having access to the same knowledge and yeah. having access to the same opportunities in that way. Um, that's like, a, that's a really frustrating thing to me is you know, that just, that just wears at me, like kind of every day, (laughs) the feeling of, but you know, what's the same with the law. I mean, it's the same, this is is the same conversation in a way is, you know, the, the sort of the idea that there are things that are laid out that on their face, it, it seems like it only makes sense for the good of the community, for everyone to have equal access or for everyone to have, you know, for something to be quote unquote fair, that 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 money would not enter into these kind of big ethical principles or or things that are as important as like well the good of everybody depends on you know where our kids are at any given time uh how they're doing what they're understanding about the world and and all that kind of stuff and and you know obviously very similarly with the legal system and sometimes those two end up having really strong relationships to one another um you know, the idea of like something being just or fair, um, the second that money enters into it becomes like a joke. <laughs> right? Yeah. And to think about how money even came about, you know, why is this thing that has no inherent value in and of itself something that we just desire to hoard in such a way that that is so not useful? You can only have so many cars and so many houses and when you're not seven and seven seven and seven obviously (laughs) the lucky number Uh, anything less than that is frightening yeah and the way that it's like oh well i need this because i have always had this and i came from this money thing therefore i deserve this money thing and i will continue to hoard it and those without it don't deserve it when at the same time it's just a thing that only has value because we say it has value you know words only have meaning because we assign them meaning and right. what is money if it doesn't generate any if it's not representing anything that generates value right and then for you know and then th- this then becomes the the conversation where if you don't have it then you don't even have time to think about whether it 
it should or shouldn't have meaning. It's just about getting some. Right. Totally. It's like, unfortunately, it does. Sorry, Becca. Unfortunately, it does. And I have to, you know, and and this is the job that I have to do. And I'm lucky even to have it and that no one has taken it away from me and given it to someone else. Like, you know what I mean? The the sort of base, the, 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 the base level, and I don't mean base in a negative way. I mean, like the fundamental foundational level of like, who who can afford to have these conversations versus people who are like, yeah, 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 I hear what you're saying. Unfortunately, I feel that, you know, X, Y, Z people are taking X, Y, Z away from me and I can't even have this conversation with you until I feel safe. Totally. And that's why and, I think you know what I mean? redistribution of wealth is so important because for anybody where money is of course is important to get the basic needs, then that person is most likely creating some sort of value with the money that they do generate for themselves. So they're, you know, a healthcare worker or teacher or, I mean, even a lawyer is creating some sort of something that's given to someone else. Like my real problem is that so much of the wealth that is generated as our quote unquote GDP is money making more money, is the stock market, is... Uh, hedge fund managers moving around rich people's money and that's not creating any actual value of food people can eat, houses they can right. live in, uh, healthcare they can use to stay alive. And those are the things that I consider value. So this is why I harp on this idea of everybody gets should have a dividend when, you know, we're living in this world where Amazon is uh, automating everything and drones are going to deliver our packages and robots send them to us in a factory with very little human contact. We just need uh, fingertips that won't crush packages. That's the part of robotics that hasn't been figured out yet. And (laughs) how do we all benefit from a society where, you know, so much of human innovation has allowed Amazon to have that that monolith, be that monolith of a company, um, whereas the rest of humanity is not benefiting from it, even though they helped contribute to it being able to be there. Right, 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 right. Did you, was this stuff that you feel like was transmitted to you through the the school that you went to? And was it some, like, was this stuff that you were thinking about um, and talking about in high school? Or was is this stuff that you've sort of grown into as you've gotten a little older? I think that, I've just been reading a lot of nonfiction about political theater theory and economic theory basically since 2016, but it's it's been a sort of self course of study. Now, me in high school uh, definitely wasn't hot to me in high school necessarily, and I was very much like punky counterculture, go to the hardcore shows and uh, get in the mosh pit kind of kid. <laughs> so this has definitely been like a personal self-education for me yeah um but based on uh very intelligent people writing books and just choosing to study that which i think we're due for an overhaul of our whole education system as you were talking about earlier in access for everyone we're so ready for an entire renaissance of the way we educate people in a way that can be done you know using the resources of our our globalization and connectivity online First of all, I love everything you're saying, but I also want to point out that from my perspective, you kind of did still just say that that was a part of you, even if it wasn't coming out the way that it is now. Like, I definitely, I'm not saying every counterculture kid um, or every counterculture phase is a direct reflection of, you know, societal 
you know, dissatisfaction or ennui or what have you. But um, boy, it, it it's not such a far stretch that you would be that you would find yourself in a mosh pit and that later <laughs> you would be like, hey, I don't think we're doing this right. You know what I mean? Like those two <laughs> things true. don't seem disconnect. They don't seem disconnected at all <laughs> to me. Uh, well, because so much yeah, of being a teenager, right. you know, some so there's so there's so many feelings that maybe you can't put your finger on, but that have to be expressed some kind of way. And then, you know, again, if you're kind of an emotional, emotionally sensitive person, um, like finding those outlets become so important even if you don't know that that's exactly what's happening, you know? Yeah, I think the difference is that I was less aware of the racial injustices in this country and, like, the ways in which our our education system doesn't teach real history, you know? Um, But I think that my dad being an anti-war hippie, his dad was actually, like, a Methodist minister, and that's part of why he raised us to not necessarily believe in God or to question things. And I think had I been raised in a family where I was told questioning things is wrong, then I would be a completely different person. <laughs> what about yeah. you? Uh, I, one one side is Mormon and one side is atheist. And oh, it, wow. you can That's imagine that my mix. parents did not stay together uh, much past my birth um, <laughs> because those things don't go yeah, necessarily go, don't go well together. Yeah. I mean, my dad is the atheist and he basically raised me. So that's where everything kind of fell for me. But I don't know. I guess I, I, I mean, I, I liked I, I guess I think I'm agnostic, but that I'm not that does not mean that I think like there's a 50 50 chance that there's like a dude with a beard. Like I definitely <laughs> don't think that in any way, shape or form. Um uh, what? So, where do you fall in your? You said you have sisters. How many sisters do you have, and where do you fall in the in the chain in the line? I am one of three girls. I'm the middle child, which, in my unofficial research of other middle children, we are the most <laughs> rebellious, the most like the the first child did it right, and I'm just gonna go try and break everything. <laughs> what about you? And then the baby gets to just do whatever they want. The baby is pampered with point, love, yeah. and everything they do is right. <laughs> And they're usually the most emotionally vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm an only child, so I get to be all of them rolled up in one, I guess. Yeah, you totally um, do. I guess question mark. <laughs> what was the what was the alt scene like for a teenager growing up in Missouri um when you were? Well, Kansas City is actually a hub. Any band that was touring would pass through Kansas City. And I think it had a lot to do with I don't know exactly. I want to say like 70s, there was some sort of local government program where they uh, gave money to artists and there was a booming arts district. And then that went away, but the artists stayed. And that sort of made it a place where uh, music and theater and art were all a big Mm -hmm. deal. And I actually, I went to school for theater performance and was really involved in the Kansas City theater community and local plays and all that. And I would go see them all the time. And that community is still thriving. Like there's a big Mm -hmm. art scene in Kansas City. Um, But you know, you you can call it flyover country, but when you're driving a tour bus around the country, you gotta, you gotta stop in, in the places in between. And Kansas City is popping. I mean, there, there's a lot. Going oh, on. I agree. I d- it is definitely popping. I mean, I've I've been there for uh, I I was there for a con, but I also just have friends who are from there who live there still. Uh, and I you know I've been to the arts district, and you're right. It really is. It is one of those um cities that that still has served as a magnet for a lot of stuff that people assume you know 
I mean, when they're really, really, really overgeneralizing, I'm not sure very many people would argue like truly it only exists on the coasts. But when you're sort of doing the flyover, the mental flyover in that you sort of go like, yeah, okay, but you know, then there's a flyover states and then there's all the, 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 the cool cultural stuff that happens on the coast. But if you but if pressed, I think most of us would be like, OK, no, I don't really think oh, the only meaningful cultural stuff. And also what is culture and also whose culture are we talking about? And <laughs> yeah. also whose art are we talking about? Like it goes on and on. Um, but no, I, I I mean, I I have very positive feelings about about Kansas City Mo. The Kansas City K, Kansas City Mo thing is um remains interesting but I'm also so interested in I knew I was gonna be all over the map with you and for sure I am and now I'm now that feels like a purposeful pun because we're talking about cities but um the sort of like and I know that they're not twin twin cities but the sort of like two big cities so close in proximity is very unique to me because I definitely didn't have that I've I've never had that but um but that's I've heard a lot about the kind of the differences between the two Kansas cities. And um, I find that really fascinating. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was such a thing that I was Casey Mo, not Casey K. Uh, but th- now that I don't live there anymore and haven't in almost 10 years, I think of them as like it is just a few different hubs of of metropolitan activity in different places and I consider it all part of the same city but I did have this extreme loyalty to the Missouri side that has now faded and I'm like I love all of Kansas City if you're from that area you you know you know me (laughs) Um, (laughs) we're all from the same Kansas City but part of what the divide in my head was like Missouri was more urban more people of color lived on that side more culture was on that side and the kansas city kansas side was like a lot of money and more republican leaning um mm-hmm. that was my interpretation when i lived there gotcha gotcha uh and did you have a sense early on that you wanted to be somewhere else like did you have that sort of i was gonna be I, wherever i'm supposed to end up probably isn't here <laughs> I almost moved to New York to do theater and then I just moved to LA on a whim and uh but I always was like a big city girl in my heart yeah yeah um and I do love living in LA very very much um so yeah I kind of always knew that I wasn't going to stay in Kansas City yeah did you um did you spend much time in New York as you were kind of inten- as your intention was kind of leaning that way for a while or was it more the idea of New York? It was just sense. an idea. It was only yeah. this idea in my head of being a Broadway star even though I can't sing at all. And then just like uh about 6 months before I packed up and moved this shift towards the idea of film uh happened. And and then and then I moved to L.A. and so many other unexpected things happened and I've built a career in gaming, which I <laughs> was always a gamer, but I had no idea. I It's so funny. Do you ever pinch yourself and you're like, what if my teenage self could see me now? She'd be so oh, totally. impressed. It's, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Such a weird it's thing. It's nice. Those are those are important things to keep connected to, you know? Yeah. Um. For sure. Uh, so you were always a gamer. Was that that was something that you were doing uh, when you were in high school too? You were moshing and gaming and Catholic school girling. 
Oh, man, you nailed it. I mean, when you're in Catholic school, <laughs> you uh, did you see um, – um, oh, shoot, Bird – Lady Bird. Uh, yeah, my, yeah. <laughs> my uniform looked exactly like that. And once you're wearing the uniform, that is your uniform outside of school as well. I'd be going to punk shows in that Catholic school uniform. <laughs> and oh, it was wow. just sort of like – it was a real freedom to, to not – can we curse – Oh yes! Please. Did not give a fuck. Please. Uh, yeah, what it was like asking? permission to please roll curse out of more. Bed. Please, every other. <laughs> no, <laughs> for sure, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and and really, I had a, a delightful lack of self awareness that I've just been trying to get back to <laughs> all this time. I had like mm. a blonde pixie cut and a long braided rat tail. <laughs> oh, amazing! In my disheveled schoolgirl uniform. Oh, she really knew what she was doing. I miss that girl. <laughs> was it one of those? Um, was it one of those things where you you didn't think about that stuff outside of school? So it really was. It was like if you're going to the concerts in that in that stuff, you're expressing yourself through like your hairstyle and your and and what you were into in terms of like music tastes and and stuff like that but it wasn't necessarily expressing itself outside of school through like, oh, I better go get these new jeans that everyone has. Oh, yeah. I was very much, well, it was more about like making my clothing look as as bad as possible with safety pins and ripping it and then gluing it back together and band t-shirts. I mean, like I would dress up for the big concert, but a lot of the time I would just go out in my Catholic school skirt and like vans with wicked laces. (laughs) (laughs) and how much of that was like was it was it a girls catholic school in the sense of and i say this is again a public school kid who has only come to learn really anything about all girls schools uh because of this podcast but was there a sense of like we encourage questioning we encourage you know we encourage your rat tail we or was it like we have oh, to put up with it oh not at all tail? yeah they put yeah. up with it i was really on the edge at that school and it was very much and you got kicked I, out of the school before that lest yeah I, I did i did that was a whole wait, thing wait what were you you're, people oh. must do the same thing to you that they do to me which is like but you're so bubbly and fun and like silly like who is this person who uh, was moshing wait do people were do you, that to you uh, I think that my rebellious nature is also well known and my questioning nature. Okay. Uh, I would nice. call the school that I went to kind of a finishing school. And my friends from that school are lifelong friends that I still chat with because we all rebelled against this world of Got women it. are meant to not ask questions and grow up to have babies and nothing else. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with having babies. Uh, right. But there's so much else you can do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, well, I didn't wait, mean what was to, your like, experience of that? Why, why I didn't do mean to question? hurl that at you. Like I think of you as like being made of bubble gum or anything like that. Um, oh no! You're I just, mean, you're just, you just have a delightful personality, and it's very it, you're just extremely likable. And so that and that doesn't have any bearing at all on whether or not you agree with everything that happens in the world or and and are loud and proud about disagreement. Like it's just you know on a, on a very base level. I'm like you're so like you're just great. Um, Janet, uh, but sometimes you, that, that translates so but you know sometimes that translates to people being like and i assume you're a homecoming queen and you're like what <laughs> no what wait what is that the vibe i'm putting off shit 
No, I was definitely a lot more depressed then. Um, but I, I think you have those same qualities and you're just an enigmatic person. So coming from you, I really appreciate that. But do you ever on a certain level feel that it is a skill that is used as a means to an end? If I can make people like me, then they will listen to my thoughts and I will get oh, sure. into their Absolutely. subconscious about how there are things deeply flawed about our society that we could change, but I'll tell you with a smile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's something that uh, when you figure out, when, when you understand ways in which you find yourself being more most successful in, I guess, getting your way, even if getting your way uh, in, is about getting other people more or getting other people's ways met, um, then then, yeah, I mean, I think that definitely expresses itself there's a real like what what are you good at and um I think too for me as as I've get as I'm getting older there's also more of a sense of this is like I'm not saying I'm saying something like I'm breaking ground on a new idea I'm so not but you know just getting a sense of like you like what are you what do you have what are your assets what are you good at what is what are you good at that's really part of kind of core of you versus like maybe what are you not so good at that you need to just accept you're not great at and not chase after something un- unrealistic versus like, well, maybe I'm not great at, at this, but it's something that I can really work on and become better at. Um, but part of the kind of leaning into your mistakes or leaning into your shortcomings and being humble about that and like the, it being okay that maybe you're the person. And the reason I'm saying this is that because there are some times where I wish like I, I, I've, I've definitely felt in the past, and I've said it before on the podcast, that's that I am the person that like listened to a, a book, you know, a book about a nonfiction book about psychopaths from the curiosity <laughs> standpoint of like, oh my God, what would it be like to be so self-involved that you just don't even care about anybody else? Like you're just out <laughs> for you. That must be so, cause I'm so not like that, that there's a sense of, of like, looking over the peeping over the fence at the neighbors and being like whoa can is there any of that that I can learn from do you know what I mean like oh absolutely I'm also into crime and horror as a genre and I I, we wonder sometimes you know when we're into these things are we terrible people for wanting to know exactly why Jeffrey Dahmer did what he did but I think that it is that fascination of I could never do that and I don't want to but I like learning about people and that's why this is interesting to me yeah but like I'm never like uh, I'm probably not gonna get anywhere being cold like that's not I don't it's I would it's just not real like some people are just more ruthless or some people are just they just don't feel the way I feel about certain situations and I may look at the way they handle a situation with some level of envy and think I wish that were my response because that looks like a successful response to this situation and so I think that like it's been nice to let go of that a little bit and go yeah well I'm not I I don't have that yeah that's 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 just not part of my wiring you know what I mean Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to go back to your earlier point about what can we do or what are our assets, you know, Janet Varney's superpower is her charisma. And and like acknowledging that that is a skill to be able to connect with other people that can be useful to get so many other things done. Like I often question the same thing about myself, like what what is it that I'm good at? I'm not particularly good at any one thing, but I'm good at knowing a lot about a lot of things and be willing to try the things 
with a positive attitude. And I think that that's a very useful skill I have found. Uh, I completely agree. Tell me about your dating life as a teenager, she said charismatically. (laughs) You don't want to (laughs) know. Actually, that's a little X-rated. Well, I'm now married to my wonderful husband. We've been married uh, since 2012. No, what? Congratulations. No, no, that's a complete lie. 2016. I'm like, okay, it's that's 2016 a many years now. difference. Many years difference. <laughs> yeah, I have. It's 2020, okay? So don't talk to me about what a year is. Um, Understood. 2016 Understood. is when we got married. And, uh, but um, my, my dating life was a part of my rebellion. And I often mm. dated people that um, I'm not exactly sure of the Missouri laws, but they were way too old for me. Uh, I told uh-huh. you, I you know, all girls school, I hung out at concerts. So these are boys in bands and boys in bands yep. are, are bad boys. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, you're not alone. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. That's well, tough. That's a tough did, era for, st- if you're straight, if you're straight, I mean, not to say that you're straight, but as a, as a straight or bi girl, um, uh, that's not a that like like I feel so my heart really goes out to a lot of the the people I've had on the podcast who are are uh who are boys who <laughs> um had to be teenage boys in uh in in environments where you know the girls that they were interested in you know were kind of like eh, I can't relate to this I gotta go I gotta go outside of this I'm looking for something older I'm looking for something you know right um, someone who a can... hard time to be a straight boy oh yeah well, I think <laughs> and, what an, I was and a harder for... time to be a gay boy in oh many totally ways. I think what I was looking for was emotional maturity um, because I did yeah. have a lot of really long-term relationships uh really you know serial monogamists but uh not that they were healthy relationships by any means and thank you for not yeah. assuming that I that I was straight I did uh, also date women and in yeah. my younger years and of course uh, appreciate appreciate both males and females um and it seems like you had a similar experience i did yeah i i wish that my my relationships with women weren't so fraught but it's it's hard to and 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 i and i wonder about that i'm actually really curious i'm really 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 curious about what the further acceptance of an embracement um embracement no that's for sure not a word uh, it but is the embracing it, it but the embracement uh again <laughs> said very charismatically of um of 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 just like fluidity and sexuality and gender and stuff um how that will play out in terms of like longer term I don't know. I, I don't even know what I'm saying. I feel like somehow oh, what I'm I, saying I is going to be deemed inappropriate or somehow somehow this is going to be, I don't want this to be misinterpreted. Um, this is just of my own experience. Like if I had had, if I had felt like I could openly, like truly, truly openly in a way that there were lots of other girls openly doing the same, which is part of the problem because I was never closeted in any way, shape or form about being bisexual. But but I th- I didn't know any lesbians. I didn't know any other bi. Like you know what I mean. I sort of found out people were interested in me in these like weird situations or situations with friendships that then 
you know, got sexy and then right. that was scary and then it was fraught because we were teenage, you know, yeah, yeah like yeah, the, yeah. Your, your hormones, like everything's messy at that point in your life anyway. And so I had a lot of heartbreak and a, a lot of confusion and fear around the feelings that I had around uh, about women and the relationships that I had with women were really hard. They were just really hard for one yeah. reason or another. And so I'll be interested like I'm really excited for the bi kids that I meet through, you know, for, through work at cons via email on social media, people who are, you know, are are out and open about their sexuality. Um, I'm I'm so interested to see if there will be more bi women who ha- who end up with longer life partner relationships with women as they get older, because unfortunately you know, you are shaped by your experiences. And I think like, I think a lot of women I know who, and sometimes get a bad rap in certain communities for like, oh, you say you're bi, but look, you know, look at your long-term relationships as an adult, they're mostly men. I, I kind of feel like that's not fair in the sense that I don't feel necessarily like you get a fair shake, uh, completely agree you know what I mean but like nowadays I think maybe it's different and I think that's really exciting yeah I'm so excited for these younger generations I mean this is a conversation I have a lot with my husband is how excited we feel that the communication of social media has really allowed kids these days to have a completely different perspective on gender and their own gender identity and the spectrum that we're all on and that's just now considered the norm to see yourself not as not in a binary i think it's so beautiful and i think that i have a lot to learn from younger people today in that regard because i consider myself just this one thing of of on the straight end of bi kind of place where it's like why do i even need to define that oh oh it's time for a quick break i will be back after a word from our friends at maximum fun We are so thrilled at your interest in attending Hieronymus Wiggenstaff's School for Heroism and Villainy. Wiggenstaff's beautiful campus boasts state-of-the-art facilities and instructors with real-world experience. We are also proud to say that our alumni have gone on to be professional heroes and villains in the most renowned kingdoms in the world. But of course, you are not applying to the main school, are you? You're applying for our sidekick and henchperson annex. You will still benefit from the school's amazing campus and you'll have a lifetime of steady employment. Of course, there's no guarantee how long that lifetime will be. Join the McElroys as they return to Dungeons & Dragons with The Adventure Zone Graduation every other Thursday on Maximum Fun or wherever podcasts are found. Um, oh my god, I could spend almost an hour. I gotta get into this MASH game with you. Uh, I play this game of MASH at the end of every episode. I don't know if you know this, and I don't know if you know the game. I know MASH. I, did it. I okay, didn't know good. we were gonna play. I'm so excited. Well, surprise, surprise. Here it comes. I'm gonna fire these questions off at you. Uh, you're just giving... All you have to do is give me your three sort of um, in-the-moment responses. I, I, I realize it's difficult because I'm... For me, MASH feels very real in the moment, and I'm asking you to, like, give me big ideas, like, spontaneously. So if four hours from now you're like, oh, man, I wish I would have said, you know, this instead of Paris or whatever. Um, 
we all understand that it mashes uh, in some ways connected to the ephemeral. And um, perfect. These are your answers in this moment. Okay. Okay. So first category uh, for all of your uh, gaming fans who perhaps may be listening to this. Let's get this category out first and foremost. Three games that you can jump into and just sort of be in, and you don't. You're not necessarily playing out through. Um, the levels of the game it's more just about the world building and appreciating the world and the characters three. Oh well I would definitely live in my animal crossing island wonderful oh gosh something that I would live in as a world well, well not live it's just like you can go in whenever you want and just be but it could be for a short period of time or a long period of time whatever you want oh gosh Okay, uh, Magic the Gathering it consumes most of my waking thoughts, so we gotta we gotta keep Wonderful. that in there. Great. And oh gosh, I don't think I'd want to live in Among Us. That's a dark place to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your friends. I know. Are there's sus. always there's always the like. It's that's always hard too when I when I talk to f- horror fans and stuff too who are like, let's see. Now that you're asking me that, I'm not sure I want to be inside this movie that I do love, but I definitely don't want to be in. Oh, this is a tough choice. Do I choose video game or board game as the third? Um, there is a game I really love called Subnautica. Where oh, you're, okay. it's like a survival game where you're on an underwater planet and you need to, you know, um, harvest fish and craft them. There's a lot of crafting involved in my favorite games. A lot of crafting. Love crafting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great. Okay. Subnautica. Got it. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, next category. Let's do three bands. Um, Let's stick with bands. I was going to, sometimes I go wide and say like singer, songwriter, composer, da, da, da. But I'm enjoying this idea of a band. So three bands that you can, that that band somehow crafts you like a custom album of songs that sort of reflect your life in some way. Like they're going to make you a dedicated Becca album. Oh my gosh. I mean, you said not singer, songwriter, but. I love. I don't Lizzo. know why. I, why I don't why I'm being so, so bitchy. Much. Yeah, I don't know why I'm being so shitty about that. Uh, I want please, Lizzo to please. write me an album. <laughs> yeah, please, please take, please take what I said, throw it in the trash, and do whatever kind of musician you want. <laughs> that that is what I did, and I apologize for it now. I but, I respect I it. I respect the rebellion. <laughs> um, okay, Lizzo number one. Got it. Next. But going back to bands, I had a deep dive the other night describing kind of this teenage Becca to my husband, who I really don't talk to him about the bands that I used to go watch. And I listened to an album called, it's by Cursive. And this album is called uh, The Ugly Organ. And it's one of the most beautiful albums. He was like, nobody tells an out al- puts out albums that are stories nowadays. And I was like, I thought of one. And uh, I, I just think it's really beautiful. And I listened to the whole thing a couple nights ago. It's like from 2004 or something. And I just nice. I had the best time. Um, let's see. And then. Am I giving you cursive? So I'm giving you cursive. Cursive is going to do a cursive a or an album. Cursive. Uh huh. Oh, gosh. And then it's going to make something for me. Uh, you know, I saw Hozier in concert and. He spoke to both my soul and my loins. So he's going to be number oh, three. Oh, beautiful. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. wonderful. Okay, next category. Three foods uh, that in this reality are either, you know, 
like you wish you could eat all of it, but the sugar rush will make you want to puke or you wish you could eat it in perpetuity, but it's not great for the environment on some level or you're allergic to it. In this alternate universe, no such thing exists. Everything is just like fine, great and good. And you can have uh, as much of it as you want forever. Um, And it can be a a broad category or it can be like a single, like very specific chocolate chip cookie from blank that you you never can get, you know, Um, three foods. Well, it's going to have to be ramen, but specifically tonkatsu pork ramen from Silver Lake Ramen with an extra egg. Wonderful. <laughs> um, oh, I mean, pizza is everyone's favorite food, right? That's the most basic Yeah, because it's answer. a perfect food. It is a perfect food. Pizza. But yeah, my favorite this is, is your game. You don't have to pr- prove anything to anybody. Pizza is delicious. Perfect. And it's pepperoni and pineapple. That's, that's oh. the best option right there. Pep and pine. Got it. Gosh, what else is my favorite food? I feel like I could alternate between those two for... Oh, I know. Have you ever (laughs) had the curried couscous from Mendocino Farms? Whoa, no, but I'm very interested. Curried couscous. There you go. It's like that big round pearl couscous. Gotcha. Not the tiny stuff. Get that out of here. Not the tiny stuff. (laughs) Okay, the beautiful curried couscous. Got it. Uh, Next category. uh, And the pork would be like um, genetically engineered so a a pig didn't have to die. Oh, exactly. That's what this alternate universe is. Like, no, there's no, there's no like slaughtering of anybody. It's all just somehow magically appears. Um, Okay, cool. I, I was uh, okay. vegetarian for 10 years and three of those vegan and that was a long time ago now. But um, I, I've been thinking a lot more about meat consumption lately because, you yeah. know, we're all thinking about our impact on the world right now. So, yeah, uh, just yeah. throwing that out there. Girl, I, I like this that. thing about the universe. Yeah, exactly. OK, good. That's what it's for. Um, OK, next category. This is all due respect to your wonderful husband uh, who's been made mention <laughs> Jason of Momoa. several times recently. What did you say? Did you say Jason Momoa immediately? Of course I said. <laughs> Wait, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> all right, two more. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, oh, oh, oh. What's her name? Rachel Weiss. Oh, my God. No kidding. So this is like in this universe, this is my life partner or this is just a um, hookup? Yeah, I mean, it can be like, I, I, listen, I don't want to, I'll, I'll, I'll love to monogamy. I don't necessarily want to tie you down for the entirety of this alternate universe life. So it's just like, you know, could be long-term, could be short-term. I don't know. Perfect, Whatever you want. Perfect. Oh, gosh. Uh, I guess I think a lot about Idris Elba. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, next category, let's do, ooh, I really want to push you into this thing that feels like a lot of pressure all of a sudden, but I, I, I wonder if you have like three, oh, you know what? No, scratch that. I know that you said that you feel you can't sing and that you um, abandoned this idea of being a Broadway star, but let me say this. You are going to, nonetheless, create three musicals based on gaming. So it could be like RPG, board, uh, video, three musicals based on uh, three different games. Oh, wow. I mean, I love a, a horror anything. I've been playing a lot of Call of Cthulhu, and I recently have become the game master uh, consistently for the first time. I mean, I've done a little nice. bit here and there. So, yeah, Call That's of Cthulhu played, yeah? for sure. Yes, and that is why yes. I became obsessed and have been running yes. it on my channel. And uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, ask, you, ask you about that. 
you know. Oh my god, I would love to. I had so much fun doing that. Um, okay, so are you? If you're telling me that you're going to create a Call of Cthulhu uh, Broadway musical, that's very exciting to me. Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, I'll have Lin Manuel Miranda write it. Um, Beautiful. <laughs> I just figured out what Hamilton is doing since the Disney Disney Plus put it up. That uh, that really changed my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was late to the party, but now I'm here. <laughs> Welcome in. Oh, uh, okay, Call of Cthulhu, two more. If I were to make a musical game, oh gosh, I feel like tabletop games, uh, it, it's really hard to have like a character in it. You know, Twilight Imperium. So imagine Risk, but like in space and it takes eight hours to play. Ooh, all right. <laughs> but it's way better than that. Uh, it's more diplomatic. It's a lot of table talk. Um, Twilight Imperium, the musical. Great. I love it. Oh, gosh. What is number three? <laughs> is there something to The Sims and them singing about how someone's taken away the ladder to their swimming pool and uh, they've been locked in a room just so someone can get a gravestone? I, I don't know if other people played Sims in such a dark way. but <laughs> I love it. There we go. I love it. This feels very real to me. These these musicals feel like imminent to me. Oh, yeah. um, okay, let's do three real world places that we can teleport you to for uh, a, a relaxing vacation whenever you want. Okay, well, I saw some friends jumping off waterfalls in Bali, and I would like to go to there. Great. Let's see. Uh in the middle of a crowded intersection in Tokyo is just about the coolest place ever. Great. And, oh, wow. Uh, hmm. The last one is going to have to be, gosh, I, I, I want to, okay, there is a, a national park called Plitvice uh, in, in um, um, Slovenia. <laughs> And I went there when I was 22, and it, it was just about the most beautiful place you've ever seen. So, uh, oh, wonderful. Splitvice. Splitvice. Okay. I, I, I only heard the P at the beginning. I mean, first of all, let's never discuss how you or I think I spelled what I just tried <laughs> to spell. Um, but I gave it a real, real good try, and I put uh, an S in the front. That's fine. Hoping that that would mean something to me. Okay. This is um, MASH. It doesn't matter. This is MASH. We're in a safe space. We're in a safe space. <laughs> um, okay. Next category, three people from history that uh, you can sort of have in your life um, to sort of give advice or inspiration uh, at will, living or dead. This is the hardest question you could ever ask me. Uh, <laughs> I did it. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, I guess Mahatma Gandhi, right? Sure. Uh, gosh, Alan Watts. I love Alan Watts. Been listening a lot. And I need a woman's perspective here. Uh, you know what? I watched a biopic called Radioactive about Marie Curie. And, you know, it blew me away. So let's say Marie Curie. Uh, that's another one on my list that I am overdue to watch. Okay. It, it was excellent. Curry. Awesome. Rosamund awesome. Pike. Whew. Yeah. She's got a good thing going. She sure does. That whole acting well thing she does. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Last category. Let us do three. I haven't done this one in a while, but I do like it. And thinking about your old style and your Catholic uniform and your rat tail made me want to hear what your responses would be. <laughs> three clothing styles. And I don't want you to feel limited to like, you know, the last 200 years in America. Like from any era, we're going to just like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to flatline the comfort level so that everything is the same amount of comfort, no matter how it looks. Um, three looks from any era, any like, you know, you could go all the way back to whatever, I don't know, like a Renaissance type thing. Um, three looks that we're going to let you sport and it's like, doesn't matter how wild it is. It's appropriate and uh, comfortable. Love it. Okay. Well, we got to start. Victorian, Victorian England. I love like a high collar and a tight corset and a big skirt. Great. I don't know. And a and a it's, and it's a baby with its eyes pinned open being photographed yes. sitting up and death coffin. photography. <laughs> <laughs> All about the death photography. Ah, so terribly creepy. Okay, next, you know, like glorious dynam 70s. Like Great. ERA bell bottoms and crop tops and big hair but it's long great 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 oh gosh what's number three uh gosh this is this is there's there's so many great looks and i am not a fashion person i mean for so much of my life it's been whatever was the most colorful and weird looking and mm-hmm. therefore yep. coordination has never been a big thing for me um i'm gonna say oh, let's go with like greek togas let's do a toga baby yeah let's do togas they look so cozy and it's you know wonderfully androgynous and agreed yeah i do Everybody like a nice get a draping breeze. yes yeah oh, love a good drape Everybody should get a breeze. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to write that down and remind myself. Everybody should get a breeze <laughs> for the episode description. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll see if I remember. Okay, you know, for your uh, pick a number. Pick a number between one and six. Oh gosh, six was already in my head. Okay, but so that's going to take longer. We well, can cut it in. I half. don't want you to. I don't want you to worry about it because number one, I'm going to ask you to tell people where and when they can find you um, and how, I guess, is also a really important one. Uh, (laughs) And then um, whatever time is left over, Julian can edit out lickety split as if no time has passed at all. So the listener will be just fine whether it's six or one. And in this case, it's six. That is magic. Uh, Okay. Well, should I go for it? Yeah, go for it. Oh, here's the spiel. All right. You can find me at the Becca Scott on all the social platforms. That's my personal stuff. And I stream on Twitch a couple days a week. I also stream for Geek and Sundry on their channel and on the Nerdist YouTube channel. I do a variety gaming every Thursday for a little show called Save Point. Uh, I run a Call of Cthulhu game as well as a board game tutorial series and a board game playthrough series on my YouTube channel, which is bigger than just me. And we call it Good Time Society. 
because we got the good times. What? Uh, and because coming up with a name is really hard. So uh, so that that's what stuck. Uh, there was many, many spaghettis thrown at the wall. But uh, anyway, so uh, we're building up lots of content on our YouTube channel over there. You can find Good Time Society on social media as well. And uh, I am... Uh, I am a reporter for Magic the Gathering Arena, and there is a tournament this weekend, and I'm so excited I get to interview pros for it, the Magic Pro League, the MPL, so that's a very exciting thing. Um, and then always, uh, you know, trying to put out other other fun content, so if you follow me on Twitter, that's where I like to post a lot, at the Becca Scott. That's fantastic, and guess what? I finished. Oh, perfect. I'm so good at filling time. You really are. That was stupendous and very, very well. It timed out perfectly. So, okay, I have a lot to report back. Um, I'm feeling really good about it because it is definitely all over the map. And that just feels right because um, you enjoy a lot of different things and can do a lot of different things. And so it just all fits to me. Um, Number one, I want to congratulate you on your mansion in Bali. So I guess you can have lots of friends jumping off of lots of waterfalls. Um... And everybody can just be in one glorious, uh, beautiful palace together. Yes. Um, oh, perfect. So fantastic on that. I want to also reassure you that if you want to go into uh, a game just for fun, um, you can do so uh, into Animal Crossing. Um, yes. Which I thought might please you. <laughs> uh, that is very exciting. I want you to also feel... Uh, delighted that you have this relationship with uh, uh, a little someone called Marie Curie. Um, Not to be outdone, you also have had an album written especially for you, customized to you by Lizzo. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. I feel so empowered (laughs) about my body. You are responsible for a Sims uh, musical. Okay, okay. That I think is going to be universal and relatable. It's going to be a big smash hit for that reason. It is going to keep you in endless uh, ramen (laughs) in perpetuity. So you can munch down on that. And the idea of you eating that ramen... Uh, with the 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 non actual pig, no pigs were harmed during the making of this ramen. Uh, you are also wearing a a beautiful um, Victorian England dress yes, or dress and Bali. skirt. That's a great image to me in Bali. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. It being all over the place, like the idea yeah, yeah. of you there eating that in Bali, listening to Lizzo with. <laughs> Jason Momoa. Yes, you were saving the best for last. <laughs> I mean, that's an outstanding oh, series I of outcomes. I can see it. You get it based on that popular Jason Momoa show that everyone watched. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. The, mo- the most mundane word <laughs> to be able to pun off of. You really took advantage of. God, I'm really drawing uh, the bottom of the. If only the he had also been on like Lost, so that you could you could be like, I see, I haven't <laughs> lost out on this game. There it is. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, gosh. This is that my been, whole future? Uh, that's your future. That's okay, your future, can I call baby. you out on one thing that I don't know if other people have called you out on before? When oh, I played I Mash would. as a kid, 
the the writer gets to make up a horrible outcome for each category. I know. I just that's I know it and I don't and I and it's not that's not what this is about <laughs> for me. This is about like a flight of fancy and I just I, love I can't punish. That's like the that's that's like the same the same part of me that can't do that can't watch prank shows. I think hopefully <laughs> that makes sense. It's like yes. there's the same that's the same muscle that I'm missing uh that I was just born without. Um well, so that's what makes congratulations. You yeah, exactly. You got your ideal outcome and you were going to be happy with whatever the result was but I do feel that this was a very very good outcome oh yeah and um and I can't thank you enough for doing the podcast it's been a pleasure and a joy I I had no idea what to expect and it was all I could have ever dreamed of and more oh thank (laughs) you so very much oh there's so much charisma right now it's a little bit disgusting oh my um it's just very (laughs) thick in the air I'm we're dripping uh, I'm enjoying it. it I enjoy it. Uh, uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.